Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, folks, we're back once again at the corner of truth and courage. I've been playing for you for the last uh, couple of weeks uh, lessons that I, uh, some of the material that I teach in in a college course on uh, Christian apologetics, dealing uh, with the issues of Islam and and uh, debating and standing for our faith. And um, uh, we're going to stop uh, from that. There's just so much, folks, that I've really got to get into. So much uh, has been happening in our world, and I want to share some thoughts with you. I've had to take some time off um, last couple of weeks. We had the opportunity to go up to see our second grandchild, to welcome him into the world, and um, what an exciting thing that was, and um, a great blessing. I had some other issues there, father who had some health issues, and and so family needs, and so, um, but we're back now in the office and kind of want to dig into some of these things. Folks, there's a lot of reasons why people are in a panic and depressed. So I, I want to share some thoughts with you that I think will be a help to you. And I want to draw your attention to the Bible, first of all, today. And, and in Second Samuel Chapter 2, verse 7, I, um, in my Bible reading, I'm going uh, through uh, Samuel and, and Kings, and this passage jumped out at me a few, a few days back. And to understand this passage, you need to kind of know a little bit about the, uh, the background here. King Saul is, and his son Jonathan are dead. The nation of Israel, very uh, embryonic, fragile nation, is in a bit of a crisis. Their king is dead. They're about ready to enter into a small divided kingdom, a little bit of a civil war between Saul's son, Ishobeth, and David. And uh, David sends a message out to the kingdom. And he tells them, Let your hands be strengthened, and be ye valiant. Your master, Saul, is dead. And also the house of Judah have anointed me king over them. So he's asked them, asking them, you know, your, your king is, is dead. So let's be valiant. Let's be brave. Strengthen your hands. But Abner, the captain of, of Saul's host, chose not to do so. And a, a division develops. So as the nation now falls into this crisis, the message here is this. Strengthen your hands and be valiant. And that's what I want to say to you here today. There's a lot that we're hearing in the news and on our radio and just about everywhere. You know, we're still dealing with the effects of this pandemic. We're seeing violence in the streets, muggings and, um, and, and all the ridiculous, crazy things that are going on. Uh, still some communities under lockdown and rebellion and and people are out of work and and we're wondering if the government uh, it, it knows what they're doing and all the fighting and infighting going on between the political parties in this election year and wondering if there's going to be 
uh, fraud in the election? Can we trust the results? And, and, and all these things are causing anxiety and stress and, and great problems. And many people are dealing with depression. The pastor uh, was just saying here just recently how many people he's having to counsel that are dealing with depression. In fact, a, a report just came out by the U.S. Census Bureau. Now, why it came out from them, I'm, I'm a bit puzzled by that. But basically, one-third of Americans, in this report, one-third of Americans are showing clinical depression. One-third. And uh, it's understandable that people are concerned. It's understandable that people are depressed with what's going on. But I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you here today to strengthen your hands and to be valiant. Yes, there's a lot that's going on that's wrong. And there's a lot that causes us to wonder, is America falling apart? Are we heading to a revolution, a, uh, a civil war, a, an insurrection? Uh, what's going on? And, and, I, and I admit, folks, you know, sometimes I, I entertain these thoughts myself and I wonder, what, where are we going? What do we need to do to be prepared? You know, I, I tend to be the kind of guy that, you know, wants to be forward looking. I, I want to be proactive rather than reactive. I'd rather uh, have a plan in place that if this happens, all right, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, and, and so, you know, sometimes we see all these things happening and we get focused on all that and it can cause us uh, to be a bit overwhelmed. And there's a lot of evil going on in our community. And I've been saying for <laughs> many, 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 many years that we as Christians have made the mistake of listening to other people telling us, well, you shouldn't be involved in politics. You shouldn't be dealing with these issues in your pulpit. Um, uh, leave the politics to the politicians. You preachers just, you know, preach your gospel. Well, I, I'm here to tell you folks that the Bible tells us that we Christians are to be salt and light. And that's not just being an evangelist. Now, yes, being salt and light does uh, include that we're taking the gospel to the lost. Yes, but it's more than that. It's, it means that the light, the, the light of God, which is also bears his righteousness and his standard of goodness and, and, uh, and uprightness, when evil and lewdness and wrong shows up in our community, we Christians are the bearers of God's light and his standard, and we ought to stand up for it. We shouldn't shake our head and saying, this is terrible, someone ought to do something about it. No, we ought to get out there and do something about it. We're God's voice, and we ought to take a stand for these things. But sadly, we didn't. And for quite a long time, we've allowed things to continue to fall. I mean, we saw them take prayer out of our schools back on June 25th, 1962. 1962, the United uh, States Supreme Court uh, decided in the uh, Engel Vitale uh, case that the New York Board of Regents for the use uh, 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 to bring prayer into schools violated the First Amendment uh, con constituting an establishment of religion. A year later, the Abington School District uh, uh, versus uh, Schwimp, um, disallowed Bible reading in the schools for the similar reason. And we Christians uh, didn't fight this. Instead, we said, okay, we're going to take our ball. If we can't pray 
and uh, read the Bible in school and in this evolution, all the stuff's going to be taught there. We're going to take our ball and we're going to go play somewhere else. And we started the Christian school movement after that point. And, um, and then we took the light out of the public schools for the most part. And, uh, and, and so that, and then we've let them have full reign over teaching these kids for, uh, since the sixties and seventies and onward, uh, their liberal godless standards. And now these people are adults and leaders and they're voting. And we wonder what went wrong. Well, because we didn't do our job of being salt and light, this is what went, what went wrong. So, um, uh, but I need to tell you, we can do something about it. Um, four years ago, I met a pastor. I believe he was in Georgia. And they were upset about what was going on in the public schools in his district. Some things that were going on with uh, same-sex marriage and, and sex education being taught and different things there. And it was appalling. And they decided, we're going to do something about it. And so as a church, now they didn't use any church money. They didn't use, um, uh, you know, the, the, the finances of the church for this. But they simply uh, rallied their troops, their, their congregation, and said, folks, we, we've got to take a, a stand against this evil, what's going on in our local community. And so they had a number of people in their church who decided we're going to run for the school board. And so they started candidating against those who were in the school board. And over a period of four or five years, they won. They all rallied together, the people in the church, uh, helped promote these candidates and encouraged uh, uh, their community to vote for these people. And they voted out the people uh, who were standing for evil and for wrong. And they put in God-fearing people in there. And once they won the school boards, then they started going after um, uh, the, the council and other areas. So I'm here to tell you that churches can make a difference if only we get involved. You know, someone said this. I don't know who, but <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth to it. There's three types of people out there. There's one type, the one type. They're the ones, they're the people who make things happen. The other type of people who watch things happen. And the third type of people wonder what happened. <laughs> um, the problem is for us as Christians, we've been to in that second category, watching things happen. And shaking our head saying, uh, I hope someone does something about this. We've got to stop being part of the second group. Maybe you're part of the third group. I don't know. But we need to start getting part of the first group who make things happen. It was Edmund Burke who famously said, All that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Now think about that because there's so much truth there. And, it, and it's painfully true. All that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And if we continue to do nothing, then we're going to have more and more problems. Uh, I'm going to share with you tomorrow some things that we can do. Because I think that there is something for us that will be encouraging. And that there is hope. 
That's basically what I want to try to tell you today. There is hope. So strengthen your hands and be valiant. There's a story of a scientist in 1963, uh, Edmund Lorenz. He submitted a theory at the New York Academy of Science for which he was publicly mocked and berated by the other scientists. He proposed a theory that the flapping of a butterfly wing could, in theory, push air molecules, which in turn would move other air molecules and in turn move more and more molecules of air exponentially, that on the other side of the planet, it could be capable of starting a hurricane. He called it the butterfly effect. Well, his theory has been shared for decades as ridiculous and has been mocked, and it's certainly amusing. However, a group of physicists, professors, took on the idea to see if it were viable. And what was once scoffed at and mocked to be ludicrous, the butterfly effect, was determined as authentic and even written up as scientific law known as the law of sensitive dependence upon initial conditions. The point is, is that just the flap of one wing, in theory, could push molecules, which would push more molecules, which would push more molecules exponentially, and then on the other side of the planet could create a hurricane. Don't discount the power of one. You say, well, what can I do? You are a voice. And the flap of one wing could potentially create a hurricane. Uh, of course, in theory. <laughs> but the point is, is that one taking a stand matters. And if one another joins you, and another, and another, and another, and exponentially, we can make a difference. So strengthen your hands and be valiant. And join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.